Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Heavenly Father, we do want the message that you have for us today to just strike us clearly, completely. May it be exactly what we need to hear today. For Father, you know what we've gone through this week. You know what lies ahead of us in the week to come. And so, Father, you know what is just absolutely perfect and how your will can strike our hearts and our minds in a way that that brings great, great benefit. So we ask that that would be done. Give us open minds, willing hearts, clarity of thought, that we might hear your voice and hear it clearly. For we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have any of you ever been in a place where you just had to admit to something? You had to admit to something that, that not necessarily you're, you're telling secrets on yourself, but you're admitting a thing that maybe the person you're talking to you fear doesn't want to hear. But it's true, and sooner or later you've got to say it. Remember old, uh, was it Steve Harvey? No, Paul Harvey on the radio would always tell these things and then he says, now here, here's the rest of the story. Well, I want us to look today and think about a, a time when Jesus was telling some of the rest of the story and, uh, and he was making an admission about himself and his own ministry. And so I've titled today's meditation, just getting us ready for our communion time, an admission like no other. And in today's red letter scripture that you have before you, we hear Jesus admitting to something that none of his disciples wanted to hear. Jesus was in fact admitting to something that very few people have ever wanted to hear. Hear it now. For yourself, it's today's red letter scripture, Matthew 10, verse 34, and then verse 36. Jesus says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. How many of you have supposed that Jesus came to bring peace? Isn't he the prince of peace? Isn't that what they sang at his birth? And Jesus says, now don't get that out of your head. If it's in your head. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's verse 34. Then verse 36, he makes an application of it. He says, why a man's enemies, meaning a man who is linked to Jesus Christ, a man who is connected with Christ, one of Christ's own disciples, you and me, if we believe in him, been born again through faith in his name. Jesus says, that man, that man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, he might have other enemies too in this wide world, but Jesus says it'll begin right at home. 
Do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Thanks to Jesus Christ, parents will wind up at odds with their children sometimes. Thanks to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters will be at odds with each other. All because of Jesus. All because of who Jesus is and who he claimed to be and what Jesus taught and what he claimed to be true. Jesus said because of him there will be turmoil among people. That's an admission Jesus made relatively early in his ministry. This is only Matthew chapter 10. That admission leads to this admission that I'm going to make today. It's an admonition that all of us needs to face squarely and courageously. And it's expressed in what I'm calling today, today's key concept. This concept grows out of the reality that Jesus shared. Here's how we express the concept. Nothing stirs up conflict like God's truth. Who would agree with that? Really? Have you, not dis- have you not found in your life that every time you share something that's biblically true, people just say, wow! <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. That truth really challenges my life. I'm going to have to turn things upside down, but thank you for sharing that. Or have you ever run into people saying, yeah? Who do you think you are telling me something like that? You trying to make trouble for me and my family? Nothing stirs up conflict like God's truth. Those who declare it find themselves, we could say frequently, in hot water. God's truth inevitably creates turmoil. That's a concept that I'm admitting is true. That's not the way to fill a church with people to just say, come hear the message here, and as you embrace this message, you're going to just wind up in the hottest water you can imagine in many places where you go during the week. Maybe in your own household. Unless all of them already agree with the word of God. Well, this morning, just quickly, I want to share with you three truths about God's truth. Now, there's many more things we could say, of course, but I just want to take this tack today. Three truths about God's truth. I'll just share them briefly as we ready our hearts for communion, but here we go. Number one, God's truth puts us in hot water with Satan. Have you ever found that to be true? Or have you found it true that as soon as you embrace one of God's truths, Satan says, I'm done with that person. As soon as you embrace some truth of God, he just flees and you, you, never, you never get tempted by him again. Or do you discover that when you embrace a truth of God's word, sometimes temptations arise more and more. Troubles come. We're saying God's truth puts us in hot water with Satan. Satan hates 
God's truth. Turn to somebody and just say that. Satan hates God's truth. Yeah, he does. So if you want to be friends with Satan, don't say anything about God's truth. And if you want to run into a a difficulty, just declare God's truth to yourself, to others. Just say, this is what is absolutely so. Every time those words come out of your mouth, Satan hates it and all those associated with him. Remember last week, we talked about uh, the demon-possessed man that Jesus set free. Well, that demon-possessed man had a legion, thousands of demons inside of him. Who knows how many Satan has at his beck and call that he can send to just torment and bother and challenge when he wants to. A couple examples just quickly. Satan hates God's truth. Satan sought to derail God's truth in the wilderness with Jesus himself. Right after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness. And there the Bible tells us for 40 days Jesus was tempted, tested, attacked by the devil. The story is told in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. You can read the whole thing this afternoon. But let me just say, three different times over those 40 days... Mostly at the end of it, it says when Jesus was really hungry, it was 40 days of fasting and prayer. And at the end of the 40 days, Jesus was really wiped out physically. And the devil came to him and tried to take advantage of that situation, tried to overcome him. Three different ways Satan tempted Jesus to abandon God's truth to abandon God's plan and to adopt some course of action that would be contrary to it. Now, Satan did his very best to make these alternate courses of action sound very good, like they would really do the job. They were contrary to God's word, but they weren't necessarily contrary to common sense. Jesus was hungry, remember? Jesus was the Son of God, remember? Satan knew Jesus had power amazingly because he was the Son of God. And the very Spirit of God was with him and empowering him. And so Satan says, for heaven's sake, I can see you're about ready to faint with hunger. Here's some stones laying around. Just command them to turn into bread. Feed yourself. Makes sense. Nobody else could do that, but you could do that. And by doing so, you could really convince yourself you really are the Son of God. And your Heavenly Father really is watching after you. Who knows how long and what manner that temptation took. But Jesus said, it's written. That's not the way we're going to go. It's written. Satan says, let me take you up to a high place and on the temple and you can just dive right down to the ground and the Bible says, nothing will hurt you. God will send his angels. Just test it. And, and Jesus says, uh, it's written. It's written. The first time. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word from the mouth of God. This one, it is written. You shall not put God to the test and say, Father, I know you can, so I'm telling you, you must. And here we go. Just dive off the temple. 
prove God's power. And then the last one, Satan says, you know, if you want the world to follow you, just bow down and worship me. I'm in charge of this whole fallen world. I can bring everybody to your feet. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, it's written. Thou shalt worship and serve the Lord your God only. Boy, if Satan could have won that round. If he could have derailed Jesus Christ and the truth of God in the very beginning, what, what would the outcome on this world be? It would not be what we're experiencing today. We'd have no savior at all. We'd have no hope of eternal life at all. Satan did his best, but Jesus resisted him with the word of God. In other words, God has said this and this, and that settles it for me. Don't need to counter your arguments. Don't need to... God said it, and that settles it for me. God's truth is what I'm standing on. It's what Jesus said, basically. Satan later on sought to derail the truth of God in Peter's life. This is Matthew chapter 16. Jesus had just explained to his disciples, now they're into the 16th chapter, Master. It's a lot later in his ministry. And he explained to them how he was going to have to suffer and die and give his life as a sacrifice for mankind. He, the Son of God, was going to lay down his life for, for all men who will believe in him. And Peter took him aside. And he said, it's not going to happen. Peter began to do Satan's work for Satan. Peter said, Lord, it's not going to be like that. I'll never let that happen to you. It must not happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter. You remember this. And he said, Satan, get behind me. He recognized Peter was doing Satan's work for him. In our day, sometimes friends and family might even serve Satan's purposes in our lives. They challenge God's truth. They seek to change our minds about it. That's foolish. That's stupid. That's out of step with the times. You know, that's old-fashioned. That You've got to get with the program today. Or that's contrary to your own best interest. You'll never get ahead if that's the position you're going to take. They say stuff like that to us. We need to recognize who is behind those words. Jesus did when Peter spoke some of them. Get behind me, Satan. Satan tried to derail the truth of God in the early church in the very first months and years of, of that newborn family of faith. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Here's a man in the early church. His name was Ananias. He saw people giving things to help the saints. All the Christians lived together in Jerusalem right in the very beginning. A man by the name of Barnabas, his actual name meant son of encouragement, he sold a piece of property, gave it to the apostles, and just said, use it to feed the, feed the folks, and let's just keep this thing together as long as we can, right here, this wonderful fellowship. And everybody praised Barnabas. His name was really Joseph, but they gave him the nickname, son of encouragement, Barnabas, because of what he had done. 
And Ananias thought, man, I want some of that honor for myself. So he sold a piece of property and just brought a portion of the proceeds and gave it to Peter and said, man, I'm another Barnabas. You can call me Barnabas too. Peter says, you're lying to me, aren't you? Is this all you got for your property? Yeah, this is everything. Later on, his wife said the same thing. Trying to get credit beyond what they deserved. Tried to be a hero without actually having done anything heroic. And Peter accused him of that. He says in Acts 5.3, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? See, Satan seeks to derail the truth of God, whether it's Jesus in the wilderness, whether it's Peter standing right as part of the disciple band, or whether it's this man, Ananias, who professed to be a believer among the body of saints, the early church. Satan will try to rip the truth of God out of any of us. Allowing Satan to change our opinion of God's truth is serious business. That's why Ananias was struck dead. There had to be a dramatic evidence that to distort the word of God, to lie to the very people of God, is a horrible thing to do. And God judged him. And Fear, it said, fell upon the whole church. Wouldn't you imagine? It's better to be in hot water with Satan and his minions than to be in hot water with God. If God's truth puts us in that hot water, then we just need to prepare ourselves for the heat. You actually have nothing to fear. Because here's what our second truth says. God's truth protects us from Satan's attempts. Satan is silenced and stifled by God's truth. If you go back and read that whole story of the temptations in the wilderness, after Jesus had stifled Satan's attempts by every one of those scriptures, it is written, it is written, it is written, the Bible says, and Satan left him. Satan left him. There's there's nothing more to say when you're dealing with somebody who's absolutely committed to the word of God and nothing you say can, can divert them, derail them. God's truth protects us. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 17, his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, protect them from the evil one. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about those who will believe in their message down through the years. He's talking about us. Father, protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we need to know God's truth. Read the Word of God. Get a copy, if you want to, of our our six-month book called Walking with Numa. In that book, one for every day, there's 181 key scripture passages focused on, talked about, explained, and, and to help us just live a life that is honoring to God. Key foundational truths. Just walk through it. 
Reading the whole Bible from Genesis straight through is a big, big project. And you're never quite sure which one of these verses are the ones that will especially protect me. Well, I'm saying we could offer you 181 to focus on one a day. Take you six months to go through it and have the Holy Spirit just explain it to you and encourage you and to say, boy, my life is standing on this stuff. And these are the things that stifle the mouth of the Spirit or the mouth of Satan and anyone associated with him. You say, these are the things I believe. These are the things that the Bible says. These are the things that might get me in hot water with Satan, but boy, they bring me into the blessing of my Heavenly Father. And now a third thing. God's truth promotes us. It, uh, it puts us in hot water. It protects us from Satan's attempts. But God's truth ultimately promotes us in God's eyes. You want God the Father to think well of you? Don't we, don't we all wouldn't we like, want God the Father to think well of us, to have God the Father identify us as one of his own? That's one of mine. That's one of mine. She's one of mine. He's one of mine. Well, here's what Jesus said. Matthew 10, again, chapter 30, or verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others. Others. What does that mean? Just another human being, right? Anytime you run into an, another human being, you're in the presence of another. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, before other human beings, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. It's like, Father, here's one of ours. Father, here's another one of ours. And the Father says, I know, I know. It's awesome. Here they are in a fallen, broken world. Here they are in a world that they're in hot water all the time because they believe in us and most people down there no longer do. Especially where they're living. There's just people who who challenge the whole thing. But they don't. They believe, they profess, they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. They acknowledge that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will give you new life and he will give you entrance eventually into heaven itself. And the Father just acknowledges us acknowledges us because Jesus himself brings us to heaven's attention. That's pretty special. So our final thought says this. The truth at the heart of it all is simply this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely believe that? If some really, really hardcore unbeliever walked in right here and said, what is it that you people believe? And he pointed to one of you. Say, hey, you, stand up. Tell me, what is it you people believe? Because I'm right here from the governor's office. 
and, and we're checking some stuff out. I'm not, we're just getting data together. But I want to know, what do you people believe? Would any of us be willing? Would all of us? But if he pointed you out, would you be willing to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father or, that is, enter into heaven except through him. That's what we believe. That's at the heart of it. Everything else spins off of that. See, wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Jesus is saying, well, that's what we should do. That's what we should do. Now, we're acknowledging today that doing that can get us into some hot water. Not every American, like maybe 50 years ago, would bow their head and their, nod their head and say, that's right, that's right. I heard that when I was a kid in Sunday school, you know, and I still believe it. Go to church every week. Fewer and fewer of those people exist. There's more and more people all the time that says, I don't believe how you can wrap your life around such a simplistic thing, such an old-fashioned thing, such an unscientific thing. And after they try to insult us a little bit and defame us a little bit, they say, now, you're still going to stick with that? You say, well, yeah, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father or enter into heaven except through him. That's what I'm boasting in. We sang about that. In fact, I'm proud of that. I'll tell anybody, and I'll certainly tell you, and I'll tell you every time you ask me. Now, if we're ready to do that, here we printed uh, today, in preparation for communion and coming out of this message, a congregational response. I'm going to have Linda put it on the screen. want to read it through, and then you say to yourself, can I see myself saying this? Because I'm going to give you opportunity to do that in just a moment. Here's what it says. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the Most High God. I use that phrase because that's how the, the devil called Jesus. You know, that demon-possessed man, the devil says, I know who you are. You are Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. So let's use the phrase that strikes the most fear into the devil's world uh, that we can. Jesus Christ... The eternal Son of the Most High God is the way and the truth and the life. No one can be accepted into the Father's eternal presence except through faith in Jesus. I trust my entire self to him as my Savior from sin and death. I will declare this truth regardless of consequence. Do those words strike home with you? Okay, anybody who's ready to just do that as a... Con let's stand together and let's just read this together, okay? Let's let anyone listening... Now, the devil's not in here because he's not allowed to be in here. The Bible itself says if you're submitted to God, you resist the devil, he will, he will vanish, he will flee, just like he did from Jesus in the wilderness. But word will get around, even if he's not in here. So if you're ready with me, let's make this our declaration today. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the Most High God, is the way and the truth and the life. 
No one can be accepted into the Father's eternal presence except through faith in Jesus. I entrust my entire self to him as my Savior from sin. I will declare this truth regardless of consequence. Heavenly Father, you've heard that. Father, spread that news through our land. Spread that news through Satan's realm. Let him know that here in this place, as well as many others, but for us, here in this place, there are those who boast in Jesus Christ. There are those who are committed to declare that he is the Son of God, Son of the Most High God, and that no one can enter into heaven or into your presence apart from faith in him. Father, strengthen that conviction within us. Give us opportunities even this week somewhere to declare that we believe in Jesus Christ and that we believe he's the only way that sins can be forgiven and eternal life can be found. Father, bless these people. Now in just a moment, we're, we're going to be gathering around the table of this Son of the Most High God. We're going to rejoice in what he's actually done. We're going to enter into communion with him as we remember what he's done. And so, Father, continue just bless and bless us as we proceed. For we ask it in his marvelous name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.